I love that simple vis- visual of, are you in? And we're in a series called I'm In. We talked about being invited into God's family. And most of you, probably not all, but most of you are in the family. Uh, last week we talked about being invaluable, not just valuable, but invaluable or irreplaceable. So today I want to ask you to start with a question. I want you to raise your hand, those that are present. Are you an influence, uh, influencer? Say it correctly. Influencers, raise your hand. I've got a few. All right. Okay. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you right up front what my goal is sharing and teaching this morning. I want everybody's hand to be up by the end of the service. Okay? Now, this series is really about how seeing yourself the way God sees you. God sees you as invited. God sees you as invaluable. And I believe God sees all of you as an influencer. And here's my basic statement that will support that. You have no idea, you and I have no idea how much one word or one expression of love might impact someone's life. Now, one reason a lot of people didn't put their hands up, I believe, is because culture, our culture, our society, has hijacked the term influencer. And to prove that, I Googled it. And yeah, I'm going to show you what, what, uh, what came up. An individual who has the power to affect purchase decisions of others because of their authority, knowledge, or relationship with their audience. Now, with that definition, most of us probably wouldn't put our hands up, right? Now, people in first service don't answer. Who has the largest following on um, social media? Anybody know? I Googled that also. That's the only reason I know. I was a little surprised, not greatly surprised. Guy's name's Ronaldo. How many people know who Ronaldo is? Boy, yes. He's a famous football player, soccer player to us here. He's also from Portugal. and We used to live in Portugal, so that's kind of cool. One estimate I saw was 150 million followers. Another said as many as 350 million followers. Now, I grew up in the 50s and 60s. Now, this term meant a whole different thing then. Influencer in my life would have been my parents, my teachers, my ball coaches, uh, my pastor, uh, these type people, tutors, etc. But the term's been hijacked. So again, I want you to see yourself, because I believe God does, as an influencer. So we start off with Jesus using two uh, visuals, two examples, to demonstrate the fact that you and I have influence. His first sermon, Sermon on the Mount, is recorded in Matthew, and this is beginning in verse 15, chapter 5, verse 13. You, speaking of Jesus' followers, you are what? Salt of the earth. Now, most of us use salt. When I'm tasting my wife's food, my wife's a great cook, but sometimes it's uh, lacking a little bit of flavor, so what do I do? Put a little salt on it. It influences the flavor. It brings out the flavor in the food, right? On the other hand, if, if, uh, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? What if you poured it on there and it didn't do it taste any bit different? 
Can you make it salty again? Of course not. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So that's one illustration. He gives another illustration. What's he say next? You are the light of the world. Light, light can't but influence the surroundings, right? Um, he goes on to say, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Now, I'm not going to turn this flashlight and stick it in my pocket. It has no use, right? But it, is it should be an influencer of its surroundings. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. So we got salt and light, and what's he say? In the same way, <laughs> let your and my good deeds shine out like a light for all to see what? So they can see us? So we can have, you know, millions of <laughs> Facebook followers? No. So that everyone will do what? Praise your heavenly Father. So we're supposed to be influencers like salt and light, but not influencers for ourselves, influencers, excuse me, <laughs> uh, for God. So you're an influencer according to God. So I'm going to give a summary statement of this. Let your, and this was in one of the songs we did sang, let your love influence people toward Jesus. I believe that's what Jesus is saying. Let your love, your good deeds, influence people, not toward you and I, to be our followers, but to be Jesus' followers. Now here's the problem. In our culture, the problem with this is the current view of influence is starts with platform. I'm on Facebook or TikTok. I actually looked up the, the, the leading people on TikTok. I didn't even know the first five people. I didn't know who they were. But evidently they're influencers and they have a platform. But true and lasting influence always starts with people. So I'm kind of call it a game. I'm just going to call it a game. Uh, who has been the greatest influencers of SVC, of our church. So I talked to a, a family. We actually had two families that are here, that, that are still here from the beginning. It goes back over 30 years, 1989. <clears throat> and I asked them, okay, in the beginning, because I wasn't there, who would you say were the greatest influencers? And I was a little surprised with their answer. I knew these two ladies, but it gave me the name of two late, elder, older ladies in the group. They're probably the oldest folks in this initial group, and uh, Lillian and Jerry, and some of you know, knew them. Um, <clears throat> Jerry lived uh, in Smithsburg area, and she wanted a church here, and Lillian had a, a desire and did some survey work and some other work, and so they were the biggest drivers, bigger, biggest influencers. Um, I'll have to talk to the other family see if they agree with me. Um, of the beginning of this church. So then I asked this couple, uh, who were the biggest influencers when the church started meeting on Sundays? Sunday morning, 1989, August of 1989. <clears throat> and they gave me two names. One was a, a, a pastor that preached some at the beginning. Uh, Jim, name's Jim Rousey. And uh, evidently he had helped start churches before and so he was a big help. And then uh, we have groups of churches that we call associations and we have a person over that called a director of missions and the director of missions at that time was Don Brown. So they said, <clears throat> in their opinion, they were the two biggest influencers in that initial stage of the church. And so 
consequently, then their first pastor came along, Don Taylor, and obviously pastors are influencers. And of course, I've been here the last 30 years as an influencer. But I got to other people are influencers, just not just us folks up front, even though I think music worship leaders are influencers. Um, I know, and I hopefully most of you would agree, I think my wife is probably as big an influencer as I am on the ministry of this church over the last 30 years. Uh, right. Maybe a bigger influence, better influence. Maybe a better influence, right? <laughs> that might be the way to say it. So I got to thinking about myself, and I, okay, I shared about, was that, I think last week about my pastor when I decided I wanted to become, go into the ministry, <clears throat> Reverend Watson. So he was an influencer on me. But then I got thinking, but that Gideon that handed it out Bibles to those soldiers, that he got one, was a tremendous influence on him because reading that Bible is when he came to, to surrender to the Lord and eventually surrendered to preach and then became my pastor and I surrendered to, be, to the ministry under his preaching. So again, we never know how that little event. And there's been one person that maybe was the biggest influence on this church that probably nobody would respond or tell me. There was a lady who lived in this community. Her name was Frances Pryor. <clears throat> she was a Baptist from North Carolina. She moved up here and married a, a local guy. And for 50 years, she lived in Smithsburg. She attended First Baptist Church in Hagerstown because there was no Baptist church in Smithsburg. For 50 years, she prayed for a Baptist church in Smithsburg. She is the mother of Pat Freener, some of you know. Anyway, uh, in her later years, once this building was built, I remember her being wheeled in here on a wheel, in a wheelchair. She actually was able to be inside this building after praying 50 years. She may have been the greatest influence of this church existing. So, put on the outline... Influence isn't always instant. 50 years? Not always instant. And its influence isn't always obvious. Person handing out Gideon Bibles. Never knows. It's not always obvious. So, again, you're my, we have no idea how much one word or one expression of love might impact someone's life. So we're going to look at the story from the life of Jesus. And I could argue she is the most unlikely influencer that you can find in the New Testament. And this is in John chapter 4, if you want to look it up on your own. Jesus is down near Jerusalem. He's headed back up north where he's from. And when he do that, there's this area in between. Jesus was down here in the uh, lower area. He's going up to the yellow area. The area in between is called Samaria. Now, a little history is, Samaria, uh, people from Samaria were carried off into captivity hundreds of years ago, and they intermarried with non-Jewish people. And so we would, uh, term we would use half-breed or whatever you would call them, mixed blood. So they weren't pure Jewish blood. 
And so Jews hated Samaritans. They consider them less than dogs, one, one commentary said. Um, so consequently, if you were traveling from south up north, you would not go through Samaria. That's how much they hated them. So they would cross over to that green area, east of the Jordan, then travel up and cross back in. So in John chapter 4, it starts off, Jesus had to go through Samaria. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jews didn't go through Samaria. And so that's the beginning of this, this story. So we're going to pick it up in verse 7. Soon, a Samar- Jesus stops at this well in the middle of the day. And soon, a Samaritan woman comes to draw water. Now, when did women come to draw water? Morning and evening. Who's going to go in the hottest part of the day to go draw water? So this is odd that this woman is at this well at this time. Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And we'll talk about how radically strange this is that he would ask her for a drink. He was alone at the time. So we got a Jewish man and a Samaritan woman. Just a bizarre scenario. Because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Next verse is an understatement. The woman was surprised. Amazed might be a better word. And she explains why. For Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. Be in their presence. Speak to them. Uh, have anything to do with them. So she says to Jesus, you're a Jew? I'm a Samaritan. Now, even if she was a Jewish woman, this would have been, been unusual. And there's going to be something else we're going to find out about this woman that's going to make it even more unusual. He asked, why are you asking me for a drink? I'm a Samaritan woman. Jews don't even talk to us. Jesus continues the conversation. Jesus replied, if you only knew, isn't that a neat phrase? If you only knew. If you and I only knew what? If we only knew what God was going to do with our lives. If we only knew what impact we had. He said, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are, who you, who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, just as our bodies need physical food and water, our souls need physical food and water. None of us would deprive ourselves of physical food and water, would we? And we certainly won't this afternoon, right? Uh, that's fine. That's, that, that's how we're designed. But we're also designed to have spiritual nourishment, food and water. Hopefully you won't deprive yourself of that either. Conversation goes on. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, <laughs> and the well's very deep. Where would you get this living water? She's still thinking physically, of course. And practically speaking, there's no way she, he, he can get her, get water for her. So Jesus replies, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. I had a drink before I got up here. I'll be thirsty by the time I get finished speaking. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Can you imagine having a drink of something and I'm never going to have to drink again? 
It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Now this sounds like, hey, this is going to make my life better. This is going to make my life easier. I won't have to come out here in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, and get water. I won't be thirsty again. One misnomer of Christianity is that it's going to make your life easier. It's going to make it easier to get through the life that you have, but it's not going to make your life easier. My wife and I were just talking about that. We had uh, 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 two funerals in the last week. But one of them was for would have, family member, would have been son-in-law. And so we got to thinking, we've got four children, and two of them have lost their spouses. What is the odds of that? Folks, that's not easy. Life's not easier because you follow Jesus. She wants easier. We all want easier, right? So he says, please, sir, <laughs> give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come out here and get water. Of course, she misunderstood. So Jesus now is digging into this woman's life. And he changes the subject. He says, okay, go and get your husband. She responds, I, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right. She answered, honestly, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands. We talked about how difficult it was for women to survive in, in the New Testament uh, world without a man. And so she went, I'm assuming these men died and uh, she just survived. She went from man to man. But now she, you aren't even married to the man you're living with. Pretty unusual, certainly considered immoral in that day. <clears throat> you certainly spoke the truth. Commend her for that. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. How would you even know this? That I had five husbands and the guy I'm living with now, I'm not married to. So she is, by classification, our classification is, an immoral woman. She would have been looked down on by her, 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 uh, her society, her culture, her town. People probably wouldn't associate with her. The reason she was at the well in the middle of the day was because she didn't have to interact with the people from the town. Nobody else was there. But Jesus didn't just see her as an immoral woman. He saw her as a miracle about to happen. So he continues this theological discussion, if you will. Uh, and he, they are not argue, debate about where, where we can worship and the Samaritans couldn't go to, to the temple and and Jesus said, okay, okay. He says, the time is coming. Indeed, is here now when true worshipers, true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So the location doesn't really matter. It's the quality of the worship. Is it worshiping in the spirit and truth? And then he says, the Father, Father God, is looking for those who worship him that way. That's what he's looking for. God's a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and and in truth. And so the text goes on. The woman said, I, I know the Messiah is coming. 
They've been waiting for a thousand years. <laughs> but I know he's coming, just like we've been waiting 2,000 years for Jesus to come back the second time, right? So even though it's been such a long time, we we're, we're still know it's coming, and it could be today. It, it could be soon. The Messiah who's coming, the one who's called the Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told him, this is, I thought was, this is the beginning of his ministry. If you read the gospel, Jesus often kept this hidden, kept it a secret. He didn't answer the question when people asked him, but here he tells this lady, this outcast, I'm the Messiah. You're looking at him. The one that people have been waiting for, for so long. I'm here. It's me. So then the text says, disciples come back. Went to town. They get this food. <laughs> Another understatement. <laughs> they were shocked to find him talking to, notice it doesn't say Samaritan woman, just to a woman. That would have been shocking. Samaritan woman, more shocking. Immoral Samaritan woman, even more shocking. <laughs> but notice what it said. None of them had the nerve to ask, uh, what, do you, what do, you do you want with her? And why are you talking to her? They were smart enough to, to not ask because when they did, Jesus usually made them look foolish with their answers, didn't he? <clears throat> so, what happens? Well, text goes on. The lady leaves her jug. She didn't even get, the wa get water. That's why she was there. She leaves her jug, water jug, beside the well, ran back to the village to tell everyone. Again, most people wouldn't even associate with her. But she went back to tell everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. One translation says, who knows me inside and out. See, God knows us inside and out. Could he possibly be the Messiah? Well, he told you he was. Of course, when somebody tells me something, I don't always believe them, right? Same with you. So the people came streaming from the village to see him. This is amazing to me. The outcast of town says, hey, come see this guy out by the well. Could be the Messiah. And they all believed her, or at least believed her enough to come see. So this outcast of society, the one that probably nobody talked to, associated with, is an influencer. So, what do you say? You don't have to have your life all together to influence someone for Jesus. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to go to Bible school, Bible college. You don't have to be, you know, a Jesus follower for X amount of years. You don't have to have your life all together. You may even be a new Jesus follower. You don't have to know all that stuff in that book. You have young people here. Some hesitation for young people is, I, I, you know, I, I don't know enough. No. You don't have to know a lot. Um, you don't have to have your life all together because how many influencers would there be if, we all, if you had to have your life all together? There wouldn't be any. None of us have it all together, I don't think. I don't. So what do you need? You must know who Jesus is. First and foremost, got to know Jesus. Know what he's like. Someone that loves the unlovable, in her case, for example, and care about the people around you. So 
So again, I'm sitting there thinking about my history, and I'm trying to think who influenced me. Obviously, I mentioned my pastor, but I'm a backup even father. I'm guessing this boy was about 12 years old at the time. I'm about 13. He might have been 11. Our neighbor, my sister's here, uh, David Griffith. He invited my brother and I to church. We didn't go to church. And so I went and asked my mom. My mom called her, his mom, and um, we went to church. And it started with the invitation of this 12-year-old boy. He was an influencer. And, and as he grew up, he didn't seem to be very serious about his following Jesus. But because of his invitation to me, my life has been radically changed. So text, finish up the text. For you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. Agricultural, that would have been here a couple months ago, right? Well, Jesus, another place, says the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. So there's lots of stuff to harvest, but there's not enough people to go harvest it. So I'm going to change it a little bit. The harvest is plentiful. The influencers are few. So what's the, where and what's the harvest? It's the people in front of you. The people you rub shoulders with. And finish up the text. Many Samaritans from the village believed. Many believed in Jesus. Why? Because of this woman. The woman here had said, he t this guy at this well, he told me everything about me. Everything I did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. And did Jesus always do what people ask him to do? No. But here he says it stayed for two full days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. So who God use? Who was the influencer? The outcast, the most unlikely person in the story. So again, you and I have no idea how much one word or one expression of love might impact someone's light. You and I are to be salt and light. Influencers. Let me ask you again. How many of you are influencers? See your hands. Come on. Put them all up. They're not all up. I didn't do a good job. <laughs> Hopefully you'll continue to think and pray about what you heard this morning. Just some extra passages of Scripture uh, you can read. And we'll finish this series up next week, Lord willing. Let me pray with you. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the fact that no matter how flawed we might be, First and foremost, you love us, and we can be, we're invited into your family, but once we're in your family, we are influencers. And God, unfortunately, sometimes I guess we can influence for, for bad or for wrong. But give us opportunities, give us strength, give us wisdom to be influencers for you, to point people to Jesus, to be part of the harvest. So often we think there's, it's just, it's just not, nothing much ripe out there, but no. 
The harvest is plentiful. And we need to be your influencers. Of course, it starts with being in family. And if you're not a Jesus follower, we want to pray that today would be the day that you would come as this woman to understand who Jesus was, the Messiah, Savior of the world. And you accept his gift, free gift, grace gift of salvation and eternal life, forgiveness for your sins and eternity with God in heaven. We pray that you would make that decision. Father God, thank you for your presence here. Uh, we pray as we gather around this, the, the tables to share a meal, your spirit will continue to speak to our hearts and lives. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.